When we get started in God's Word today, primarily I'm going to be teaching from 1 Peter chapter 5 and Philippians chapter 4. Before I go there, I want to ask you to agree with me in prayer according to God's Word in James. I often use these portions of Scripture in James to pray with people about because this is a how-to book. The reason why a lot of people don't like the letter of James is because it makes them look bad. But we're not supposed to care if it makes us look bad, right? We're not trying to change the Word of God. We're shaping and molding our mind, will, and emotions to the Word of God, not trying to manipulate the Word of God to make it say what we want it to say. Right? Here in this portion in James chapter 1, beginning at verse... Verse 2, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or different temptations. How am I supposed to do that, James? He points out in chapter, or in verse 13 of that same chapter, he points out, don't you sit around and try to say that God did that. Look at that verse 13. Verse 2 said, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations. Verse 13 says, let no man say. The word is actually do not allow a person to say. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. What? How many times have we heard that? How many times have you said that? Don't raise your hand. But we've all been there. God's doing this. He specifically says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. Whew. Back to that chapter 1, verse 3, verse 2. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this. If you don't know this, you're not going to count it joy. <laughs> knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh patience. Those are the power twins, faith and patience. Recall in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, he says that through faith and patience we obtain, grasp the promises of God. That's big, through faith and patience. He points out here, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but you have to allow it. You have to let patience have her perfect work for what reason, James? So that you will be perfect, which means mature, and entire, which means complete, and lacking nothing. Whenever I look at my life and I realize that I've been going through the motions for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, I'm not as mature as I should be. When I look at it and realize that I am not complete in my spiritual walk with God and the things of God, whenever I realize that I am lacking on every side in the things of God, I've got to stop and realize what the problem is. That's why he says the very next portion, if you don't have wisdom, if you lack wisdom, don't stay dumb. Now in context, we can use that as in I'm lacking wisdom about this situation. But in context, if you lack wisdom about what? About my maturity, about being complete, about the lack of the things of God in my life. I don't have wisdom about that in this area. So 
If I lack wisdom, you need to ask God. He gives to all men liberally. He won't get mad at you about it. He won't upbraid you. And it shall be given, but let him do it God's way. And see, and so many times I try to do it religion's way. So many times we'll try to do it tradition's way. So many times I'll try, well, this is just what I've always done. And guess what? I'll keep getting the same results I've always got. Look at what he says, but you let him ask in faith with no wavering. Wavering is accepted now in churchanity. Wavering is even, they, many ministers will even try to convince you that you should doubt more than you do, that you should be wavering more than you do. If you stand in confidence in the word of God, they'll try to say there's something wrong with that or that you're being deceptive or that you're lying. You should not allow doubt and unbelief and wavering in your life when it comes to the promises of God and the things of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, he points out that all of the promises of God that we see in this word, all the promises of God, now that I'm in Jesus Christ, they're not maybe. All the promises of God are now yes and amen. Because the fullness of everything has come in Jesus Christ. Everything has come in Jesus Christ. And you have to see Jesus as your all in all. You have to see him as the completeness of everything. You have to see Jesus Christ and who he is and the sacrifice he's made as the final answer. That's why he says, but you let him ask in faith, nothing wavered, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And don't you let that person think they shall receive anything of the Lord, because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Man, and what I want to ask you to pray with me before we go into this message, pray and say, God, if I'm double-minded about your word in some area, reveal it to me. And then give me the mercy and the grace. Give me your ability to change it. Give me, because he's already given it. In reality, we're just submitting to the already given will of God, is what we're asking. Give me the understanding. Give me the wisdom. You said if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask of God. God, I'm asking for your wisdom. Give me the wisdom. If I'm double-minded in some area and it's keeping me from receiving what you've already given in Jesus Christ, Lord, reveal it to me and then give me your promise so that I can live it out in my life. How many of you will pray that with me as we go into this message? Pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace and we receive it right now, God. Lord, we are standing in faith, ready to receive your word, your will and your way, ready to take your word like a tool and apply it to our lives so that we can be the salt and the light that you've ordained us to be, God. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in this dark world, of being in this lost and dying world that's in rebellion against you. Thank you for this privilege, God. But help us to be like that lamp set on a lampstand. Help us to be like that salt. Father, help us to be about your business. Father, we thank you for this privilege. And we will not neglect so great a salvation as this. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. In 1 Peter, in 1 Peter, in chapter 5, in verse 7, he says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What I want to talk to you about today is, how do I give it to God? Give it to God. How many of you have heard that phrase? Give it to God. Just give that to God. Or, or let go and let God. You let go of it and let God take it. How many of you have heard that? How many of you said that? Yes. But so many times, people don't get taught from the word how to do it. Right? They'll just say do it. But whenever you're the one with the problem, it's not just do it. Whenever you're the one that's got an emotional investment in this situation, whenever you're the one who's racked your brain night after night on how to solve this problem, and then somebody comes up and says, just give it to God. What? <laughs> I've been begging and pleading God to do something about this for the past year. What do you mean just give it to God? How many of you felt that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, we all felt that. But the answer is in God's word. The answer is actually in James that I just read to you, and we'll get to that in a minute. But in this portion that I read to you in 1 Peter, I want to read the verse 1. I want to read through that portion. I actually want to start at verse, yeah, verse 1. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. I want to read that in the God's word translation. He said, I appeal to your spiritual leaders. I make this appeal as a spiritual leader who also witnessed Christ's suffering and will share in the glory that will be revealed these shepherds over the flock. God has entrusted you. Watch over it as God does. Don't do it because you have to, but because you want to. Don't do it out of greed, but out of a desire to serve. Don't be rulers over the people entrusted to you, but you be examples for the flock to follow. Then, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Verse 5, you young people, in a similar way, place yourselves under the authority of spiritual leaders. This is one of the biggest lack in the new generation coming up, even the ones that are in churches, because churches are primarily about the entertainment now, the big stage, the flashy music, the boom, we raised our hands, we worship, oh, I felt something. But then they're not giving something from the word of God that they can take out into the community. And the reason why you know that's not happening is because you can have a church with two, three, four thousand people who worship God passionately, who say they love Jesus, but then that whole city is given over to Satan. That can't be. That's impossible. There cannot be a place with so many people who sincerely, passionately follow Jesus the Christ and then that whole area be decaying. You are the salt of the world. And if that salt loses its effectiveness, it is therefore good for nothing and will be thrown on the ground and walked over by men. Who said that? What Jesus Christ said. And then so many people, they just quote, I'm the salt of the earth, praise the Lord. 
But if I've lost my effectiveness, if I've lost my salty, if I'm not that preserving agent in the community around me, then my default will, I shall be thrown to the ground and people will walk over me. And that's where most churches are right now. That's where most church people are right now. The world is walking all over them when they are supposed to be the head and the, not the tail, above and not beneath. You are supposed to be the one who knows the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, and then you're presenting the way, the truth, and the life to others because you're living it out in your life in such a way to where they see your good works and then glorify your Father in heaven because you're living it out in such a way to where even the unbeliever desire to ask about the hope that's within you and you're ready always with an answer. That's the plan. But then how many decades has it been? No, no, we need to scrape up all the salt and put it in a shaker called a building and just keep it there. And oh, what a blessing that's going to be. But guess what? That salt is of no good if it stays in the shaker. That lamp, and remember, think about the parable of Jesus. Nobody lights a candle and then puts it under a basket. That's dumb. Who would do that? We've been doing that for how many generations now? Lighting a candle and then keeping it in this one building and it's not giving light to this dark world around us and the world is getting darker and darker. And we're saying, why did God do that? I wish he would send somebody just to tell them the truth. Praise the Lord. He did send somebody. He sent Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ died for your sins and redeemed you. And then he said the same way the Father sent me, I now send. Nobody likes the last part. The same way the Father sends me, I now send. Oh, you. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. And then I'll sit back and because of, of, of doctrines that people allow, They'll have things in their life to where they know this is wrong and they'll say, I wish somebody would do something about it. One of the biggest things we see now with the modern generation, whenever you point that out and say, listen, God's word says that we're supposed to be living different. God's word says that we're supposed to be a, a peculiar people that shines as lights among them, not be just like them, act just like them, look just like them, and somehow they'll want to be like us now. Well, you are them. You are them. And then they get that attitude if you try to point that out and say, listen, God's word says that there's a higher plane, that we're to be led by the Spirit of God and not by society around us. We're to be directed by the Word of God and the Spirit of God and not by the culture. We're to be directed by the Spirit of God and the life of God flowing through us in such a powerful way that it's like a fire shut up in my bones. And they'll say, you just think you're better than everybody else. They, what? I'm, you got to look at it. I'm just a human. I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. Not if you're in Christ. You're not just a regular person. Recall in the book of Galatians, that was the accusation the apostle Paul had against them. He said, you are living like normal men. And you have the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of you. But then what does he say in the Psalms? Don't you walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't you sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't you take advice from the wicked. That's what he's saying. 
But now so many people, they base their life, what they're saying, where they'll go, what they believe about any situation given off of what the world, the flesh, and the devil tells them instead of the word of God. That's normal now. Right now, that's normal. People are led by the world around them, by whatever their flesh and emotions tell them instead of the word of God. And that's the norm. And oh, that should not be. That should not be. Not when you've got a church on every corner. Not whenever you've got so many people who call themselves after the name of Jesus. I am a Christian, a Christian. I am a follower of the Christ. I am a Christ-like one. That's what you're saying when you say, I am a Christian. And then they don't even know about Christ because they're so wrapped up in the, in the environment around them. All they know about how they should act and how they should live and what they should do is based off of how they were raised and the community around them instead of them coming to the place where they say, I'm not going to be conformed to this world. Refuse to be conformed to this world. Well, then what do I do then? You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will show forth what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that should be shouted from every rooftop. That that should be the call for the age that we see out here. So many people are being conformed to the world, and then they're wondering, well, I went to three services, and he told me about my special relationship with Jesus Christ, but it didn't change me. Why? Why didn't it change you? Because you're still on purpose being conformed to the world. You're still on purpose being beat into the mold of the world. And you'll have an opinion. You'll read God's word and say, wow, this is totally contrary to the society around me. But I'm still going to go with the society around me because I don't want to make them mad. How many of you know that? I said, these are internal conversations that people have had. That goes on every day. Whenever the answer is supposed to be repeatedly go back to, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. doesn't matter how I was raised. doesn't matter how I feel about it. What does God's word say about it? And that has to be the final word. And that sounds easy, but whenever you start telling people that, they'll say, oh, that's mean. That's legalistic. That's rude. That's life. That's life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. Well, that's just narrow-minded. Turns out he was narrow-minded on a lot of things. And I have to find out what those things are, and then I need to make sure that I'm narrow-minded on those things, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to where? That leads to life, and few there be that find it. Broad is the path. Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and there's many there. What if I'm just walking in the way with them and then pretending like I'm following Jesus? I'm telling you, a lot of people are there. But you see, and and, and they can fool other people. They can fool me. They can fool you. But the reality of it is, there is coming a day when we will all stand before a just and a holy God and you will either be in your sins because that's what's been leading and guiding and directing your life or you will be in Jesus Christ because he is your Lord. What does Lord mean? Supreme ruler, king, call on the name of the 
Lord and you shall be saved. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. And so many people, they will tell you that they believe he is a deliverer or a savior. And oh man, they'll scoff at Jesus being their Lord. And then they'll give you 20 reasons why somebody else and something else is their Lord. There is coming a day of reckoning. In this portion, now remember, what I'm actually talking about is how to give it to God, giving it to God. How do we do that in this world? Because there are so many things in the Bible that he tells you that you're responsible for. The way you walk and the way you live, the way you present yourself unto God the way you show yourself in a community, all these things, things that we're responsible for. But then he repeatedly says, you're to roll all your burdens over onto the Lord. You're to give all your care over onto God. You see, the word there for care, anxiety, worry. I'm not supposed to be walking around in anxiety and worry. That That is... See, whenever I begin getting into worry and doubt, it's just an outward show that I'm doubting the promises of God. That's what it really is. And, and the way that I actually give it to God is not by just, well, that's a bad situation. I'm going to take my hands off of it. God, go fix it. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is I'm doing everything that I know to do in God's word, I'm praying being directed by the spirit of God and then I'm trusting that the results are up to who? They're up to God. Anything you see in God's word, it ultimately points the results are up to him, but my end of it, your end of it, is to walk by faith. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Okay, I'll go lay hands on them. Are you the healer? No, you're not the healer. I'm not the healer. But I still have to act in obedience to what he said. I still have to be the one to do. Why did you do? I remember a man asked me that one time because a guy had gotten healed when I prayed for him. And he said, well, when you pray for two, well, several people, you named them out. That one got healed. Why do you keep doing this if all of them didn't get healed? I said, I preach the gospel to hundreds of people. And sometimes only one will receive it. Do I quit because something didn't happen? Because one the others didn't receive it? No. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because he told me to. That's why. I'm acting in obedience to God's word. You are to preach the gospel in season and out. I'm to find the principles, the promises in God's word, walk in those promises, and then I can stand in faith that I have given it to God. I have given it to God because they did what he told me to do. And now any other results, any outcomes is up to him. He's the one. One man plants, another man waters. But, but who gives the increase? But only God can give the increase. You can't make a seed grow. But you can act out in accordance with the principles established by Almighty God. Trusting like a farmer plants all those seeds in his field. He fertilizes it. He waters it. And he's out there saying, oh, just grow, just grow. That's not what he's doing. He's doing what is set in the principles of God's word. He said that, that seed time and harvest would be forever without end. And they're walking out in those principles expecting 
in faith for God to give the increase. It's the same thing in every principle of God. I'm walking this out and I'm living this out. And you see, as he goes on here and he points out in this verse, <clears throat> he says, furthermore, all of you must serve each other with humility. And you see, and that's what it really comes down to, is I have to be humble enough to take God's opinion over my opinion. I have to be humble enough to, I thought this should be this way, but God's word says this. <gasps> Which one do I take? I still take God's word. That's Bible humility. And I'm telling you that, that we can be in a situation and it seems like according to my reason, according to my knowledge, I need to do this. But if that's contrary to God's word, then I need to put away my stinking pride and I need to say, but God's word says, God's opinion says, and I need to walk in his way and the path of the just, it'll grow brighter and brighter until it's as clear as the noonday sun. But what if I'm not walking in that path? What if I keep getting sidetracked by other people's opinions and by other things and then I'll be worrying, why is it not working? And then somebody will come up and say, you need to give it to God. I did. I did give it to God and it didn't work. Doesn't say just forget about it. Just not do your part. I need to give it to God and the way I give it to God is by walking out his promise, walking out his word, leaning not to my own understanding, but in all of my ways. And how many of my ways? In all of my ways, acknowledging him. God, what is your word on this? What is your promise on this situation? That's the way I'm walking in. That's humility. Because our God opposes the arrogant. The word there is, is stiff arms, strong arms, the arrogant. But he gives grace or favors the humble. Verse 6, he says, be humbled by God's power for this reason. That when the right time comes, he will honor you. The way the King James says it. In that verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that or so that he may exalt you in due time. You see, God's not against you being exalted. He's against you exalting yourself. God's not against you being lifted up. He's against you lifting up yourself. Verse 7 in the King James, he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, that's the world we're living in. Right now, the enemy of your soul is looking for somebody who will not cast their care on God. He's looking for someone who is walking in pride. He's looking for someone who will not do it God's way. They're doing it their way because now they're apple. Now they're prime. They're ready to be devoured. See, he can't take everybody. But somebody who will not stand in faith, somebody who will not trust in the promises of God, he's already got them. He's already got some area of their life and he's stealing, killing, and destroying it, but he doesn't stay there. He'll use that like a crowbar to get into another area of their life. 
And then they won't cast their care on the Lord. They won't obey God's word in that area. They won't apply the principle of scripture there. And now he's got them by the throat there too. And he'll come in and start stealing, killing, and destroying everything they love one by one over and over again. But according to their doctrine, what they're saying is, I did give it to God as they're still walking in direct disobedience to God, as they're still double-minded in all their ways, but they're begging God. They're still wavering on the promises of God and not standing fast in the promise of God. Then they'll sit back and say, God failed me. That's never the case. That's never the case. In the God's word, that verse 7 Turn all your anxiety over to God because he cares for you. Keep your mind clear. Be alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. He looks for someone to devour. Be firm in the faith and resist him. People are taught now to not resist the devil. I'm telling you, there are teachings out there and they'll say, you just don't know if that's God or the devil. That might be a blessing in disguise. That might be something good. And because you don't know if it's God or the devil, you can't resist it. Just receive it. And whatever will be, will be. Maybe God's doing that to teach you something. No, I know what the will of God is because I have his word. His word and his will do not contradict each other. The word of God is the will of God. And I have access to the word of God any area of my life that I'm looking at, I have God's word on that subject. And now I need to stand in faith in that area. I need to submit to God. How do I submit to God? Submit to his word. Submit to his will. I'm submitting to God, resisting the devil. And what will the devil's response be? He will run in fear from you. The things that we have, such as what's going on in, in our nation and in the community, these things are not God doing it. These things are not, God is not causing the pervasiveness of sin like we see. God is not calling, causing people to molest children and groom children. God is not causing these people to do all these evil and wicked things. No, these are people who refuse to be led by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and they're choosing to be led by Satan and his way and his Word. There has to be a standard. There has to be somewhere, someone who will stand up and say, this is right, this is wrong. Based on what? Well, that's just the way I feel about it. No, that's wrong. This is right and this is wrong. Based off of what? Based off of God's word, that's what based off of. That's what it has to be. But what if the ones who have the word of God keep backing up from it? What if the ones who have the promises of God won't stand in it? What if the ones who have the promises of God and the word of God refuse to give all of their anxiety and all of their worry over to God because they're receiving the word of God and walking it out, what if they refuse to do that and then the Satan keeps coming in and devouring them just like he does everybody else? And they sit back and say, what? what does that even mean? Look at that. He trusted in God. 
This portion when he says, keep your mind clear and be alert. How many of you ever been deep worried about something? We all have, right? Your mind is not clear. You've had, you've had anxieties racking your brain. Your mind is not clear. It is everything but clear. Man, you're worried about this situation and you keep rehearsing it and rehearsing it and rehearsing it. It's like shuffling through papers looking for something. You've went through all 20 papers, pick them up, go through all 20 papers, pick them up, go through all 20 papers. And people are doing that in their mind about situations whenever in reality what I should be doing is I need to be led by the Spirit of God and find the promise of God on that situation and then rest in that. Rest in that. Find His promise and then whenever that worry tries to come back up and it will try to come back up. No, no, no. God's word on this is this. This is where my faith is. This is where my hope is. Because when I'm standing in faith, I can't walk in worry. When I'm standing in faith in that situation, I can't be worried about that situation because that goes against the definition of faith. I'm understanding it there. The situation that we see in our nation and our community is not from God. The hardships and problems if all hardships and problems that we see, if they all were a gift from God to make us better, then that means the people with the most problems would be the best. And I'm telling you, that's not the way it is. But you see, just like we read there in James, the tendency of the person is to say, just God's doing it all. God wanted that woman to be raped for a reason. God wanted that child to be hurt. That's evil. It does not bless God to attribute all this evil to him. And there are certain doctrines that people have that put it all on God, when in reality, what God is allowing, what God is allowing in the world, for you to have a free will, what God is allowing for you and for I, for you and for me to choose between good and evil, what he is allowing is for you to be salt and light. And so many times I've dropped the ball. What he is allowing, what the scripture says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What am I doing? Am I just sitting back with the K-Sara-Sara attitude and watching Satan destroy everything I love? Or am I applying the promises of God, fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold on eternal life? Because if I have the understanding that is false, that says everything is just God doing it, I'll be passive. Be passive. I'll sit back. Why even believe for something better? Why pray about this? Why do any of it? Whatever God wants to happen is just going to happen. And I'm telling you, because of the how comfortable that teaching is, thousands and thousands of people have received that. And even whenever you tell them about a bad situation that we need to, we need to apply God's word to, we need to vote this way, we need to have this meeting, they'll say, don't worry about it. If God wants that to happen, it's just going to happen. If God wants those kids to read those pornography books, they'll just, just let them have it. No, it's not God doing it. It's evil people wanting to groom children doing it. Not God. And the one sat there who was supposed to be praying and applying God's word for decades were taught not to. 
And because so many people have really compromised their faith and been silent out in the community for years, because think about it, there was a time in this nation where nearly, I mean, the, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, where nearly every politician at least had morals and standards and said the Bible was the truth. There was a time whenever nearly everyone had a set of standards that came from where? Came from the Bible. And that's been weeded out. That's been weeded out over time to where now we need to get rid of that Bible. And if somebody stands up and says that I'm doing this because of the word of God, that person's a threat. That person is dangerous. Guess what? They are a threat to Satan's kingdom. They are dangerous to the work of Satan in the earth. Somebody who is willing to stand in the promises of God and then not have anxiety and fear and doubt because they've given all their care over unto the Lord, that person is dangerous to the devil. That person is dangerous to the plan of Satan for any area. A person is dangerous in a good way. God is sovereign. God is sovereign in the same sense that he is paramount. He is supreme. That's the definition of the word. But the way that people try to define it and say, no, God is sovereign as in he's the great puppet master making that car wreck happen. He's the great, oh, he made that man get drunk and beat his wife. He made that man, no, that's wicked. Don't talk about my heavenly father like you don't know him and you are not following his word and that's why you're accusing him of that. Can you imagine if you grew up, you had a great loving father provided for you and your mom, and he, he did all these great things, worked his fingers to the bones, you could have a good living, and he did went, helped you, played with you, did all these things, and then you meet somebody who starts saying, he's doing wicked stuff, he's evil. Oh yeah, and then they start, whoa, 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 don't talk about my dad like that, you don't know him, I know him. I know his character. I know who he is. I've spent my life with him. And now you're going to say this evil about him because you don't know his character. There's certain things that somebody can say about somebody because I know their character. Immediately, I know whether to believe it or not. Say, nope, I know she wouldn't do that. She wouldn't do that. I know her. There's other things. Some people say that about somebody. Oh, man, if they said anything good about him, I don't believe that. I know him. I know that guy. There's no good in him. But it's based off of what? My relationship with that person. When somebody doesn't have a relationship with God, man, they'll believe anything about him. They'll believe any wicked, evil thing about him because they don't know him. Why are all these bad, negative things happening? We got to look at this world. We got to look at this word. Wait a minute, why are there seeming contradictions? What's going on here? In many instances, calamity comes on us because of our dumb decisions. That's why well, what, um, one guy said, you know, all things happen for a reason. I said, yeah, sometimes the reason is you're dumb and make bad decisions. That's what the reason is. That's why many things come into my life and your life is because of bad decisions I made. I know people don't like to hear that, but that's the truth. Now, a lot of times, just like what we read here, Satan is seeking whom he may devour. A lot of it is a direct attack from Satan. And I am to submit to God and resist the devil and he'll run in fear for me. 
A lot of it is simply the fact that we are in a fallen, imperfect world in fallen, imperfect bodies. And guess what? Bad things are happening all around you. And it is not God orchestrating it and doing it. Now, whenever we come to him in humility and submit to his way, he will comfort us in that problem. He will bring us in. He will give us the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us to all truth and give us the answer. But he's not the one making the negative thing happen. Many times it's just because we're in a fallen world that's in rebellion against God. And we see that result all around us. Many times we're just reaping what we've sown. He said, you, you need to be sure of this. God is not mocked. Whatever a man plants, that's what the word sow means. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And if I sow to the flesh, I will reap destruction. If I apply God's word to my marriage, I will reap godly things in that marriage. If I sow to the flesh and commit adultery and lie, cheat, and steal in my marriage, I will not reap godly things in that marriage. I guarantee you. Said, but I prayed about it and I gave it to God. And then you went and slept with somebody else. Guess what? That is not applying God's word. That is not giving it to God. Is that making sense? I know, I know when I start saying stuff like this, that a lot of people say, well, I just don't understand. And I think this and I've always believed this. What I'm asking you is to submit to the word of God. Submit to the word of God in a way to where it's usable. Not just in a generic way in I believe the Bible, but I don't read it and apply it to my life. No, it's I believe God's word. I receive it into myself. It changes me. And then that change begins to work out in everything I do. That's the difference. That's giving it to God. I can sit back and not have all the anxiety and worry because I know in whom I believed. And I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But what if I don't commit it to him? What if I don't give it to God? I'm not going to have that same confidence. I'm going to be full of bitter envying and strife and a certain anticipation looking and understanding that the things of God that he's promised in this word are just out of my reach. That does not have to be any of us today. That does not have to be you. That does not have to be me. I want to close in this portion. In Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 beginning at verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Same thing, giving it to God. I want to read that portion, Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 8. In the God's word, never worry about anything. Oh man, telling some people that, they'll get mad just because you told them that. They're like, that. that's all I do. That's what I do 24-7, all day, every waking moment is worry. Why are you telling me not to worry? 
Some people, that's a habit they have. They've ingrained it in them instead of submitting it to God, casting all their care on Him, rolling their burdens over on the Lord. I've got to worry about this. And they internalize it to the point to whenever you say, don't worry about them, they see it as a personal attack. Don't let that be you. Never worry about anything. Because guess what? If I'm worrying about it, then I can't do the rest of what he's talking about. He's putting it up as you have two alternatives. Worry about it or do this. Worry about it or let God know what you need in prayer and request with thanksgiving. A worried person is not a thankful person. If I am worried and anxious about that situation, I'm not thankful about that situation. It's whenever I'm in faith, believing that I receive when I pray, now I'm thankful. Because in the spirit, in my born again spirit, I know that I know in my knower that it is God's got this. God's got this. And now out of you will come the response of praise God. Thank you so much. I thank you, God, for sending Jesus Christ. That's different. That's why he says with thankfulness, with thanksgiving. Then God's peace, which go beyond, which goes beyond anything we can imagine. And look at the last part of this in God's word. Will guard your thoughts and your emotions through Jesus Christ. I love the way they, they laid that out. It will guard your thoughts and your emotions. Well, I can't help how I feel. Jesus said you can help how you feel. He says, don't allow your heart to be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. But by doing this, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, and I have this as my finally too. Finally, brothers and sisters, keep your thoughts on whatever is right or deserved praise things that are true, honorable, fair, pure, acceptable, or commendable. And that is not easy to do in a fallen world. But it is a commandment. He's commanding us to do this as believers. He's telling you to keep your thoughts on this. Well, who's in control of my thoughts? Me. Me. I believe it was Martin Luther who had said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest in your hair. You don't have to dwell on this. Just because a thought comes doesn't mean it's sin. Just because a worry comes doesn't mean you have to accept it. But it is an identifier that I need to find God's word on that. I need to find God's promise on that. I need to, in all my ways, acknowledge him about this too. Amen. I want to ask you to stand with me as we pray. Give it to God. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. We have to do what the Word of God says and then trust God for the outcome. I have to be led by the Spirit of God and then trust God with the results. That's what it means to give it to God. Not just take your hands off and let the corrupt nature and the fallen things around you be in control. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace.
And we receive it right now, God. We receive your word. Father, we allow your word to change us. We allow your spirit to change us, God. Father, as we examine our lives before you, and as your spirit is dealing with our heart, Father, if there's any area where we're double-minded concerning you, concerning your word, Father, help us to be of singleness of eye. Help us to be set like a flint. Help us to stay steadfast in your word, your will, and your way, and reject any worry, any doubt, any anxiety. Help us to push that away as we submit to you and resist the devil, fully, fully expecting him to flee from us. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.